Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the A Word of Good podcast. My name is Gethin Aidin and my guest today is Hattie Roche. Hattie is the lead strategist at Home. Home is a globally award-winning employee engagement, employee experience and internal communications agency. Home believed that as a third of our life is spent working, they exist to help improve this experience for everyone. Home create movements that captivate, energize and inspire, connecting people to their businesses and each other. By talking to large groups of employees like the individuals they are, Home strive to help them bring their best selves to work every single day. Before joining Home, Hattie ran internal communications for the likes of BBC, Sue Ryder Care and EE. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Hattie about the important part wellbeing plays to the overall employee experience. Please welcome Hattie Roche. Hi Hattie, how are you? I'm good, hi, hi. You've been travelling the world these last few weeks? <laughs> I most definitely have. Um, it, yes, well-being is a, a well-timed topic. Um, my physical jet lag well-being is definitely on the low side, but um, my emotional's on the high side. Travelling is great, uh, exhausting, but brilliant. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, actually, because when you look at some of the research around travelling and the the impact that kind of broadening horizons has and visiting different cultures actually has a really significant impact on our well-being. Some of the stuff I found out with the book. Um, oh, really fascinating. Yeah, which is kind of, you know, about encouraging employees to not just take time away from work, but actually go on holiday. Um, yeah. Part of it was, yeah, improves people's ability to learn and things like that. It's fascinating. So it is. you'll be a I genius mean, soon enough. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you and I have talked about this, but we live for holidays, um, you know, our plans are all about working, working, working so that we can see these new places. So we can certainly attest to that being good for our well-being. It helps you switch off, I guess, being somewhere completely different outside of your environment. You don't have to think about the day to day anymore. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, we're probably both the kind of people that when we go on holiday, we actually find it quite difficult to actually not to read emails. But I oh, find, but I find when I'm on holiday, like actually abroad on holiday, it's much much harder for me to convince myself to do that than if I was at a staycation or something. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is um, Home have been doing some really interesting work in the kind of employee experience space, and mm-hmm. you guys created your first employee experience roundel, uh, a global piece mm-hmm. of research to understand the trends, practices, and priority areas for employers, um, and well-being kind of was pretty strongly highlighted in that but could you just talk us through mm-hmm. what some of those main highlights of that report were and kind of yeah. what, and what you did and who you asked for sure so I mean, I mean firstly I guess we created the report for a few different reasons um, historically we have focused on two main areas uh, employee engagement and internal comms and I think over the last few years we've seen our business expand um, and businesses, actually, and our clients, they're thinking expanding and there's more collaboration between HR teams, employee engagement teams, IC teams, to bring these disciplines together to look more holistically about at employee experience. So, you know, we always, um, you know, my, people I talk to will get bored of me saying this, but we try and look at an experience from hire to retire. So every part of your journey as an employee being equally as important as another one. And it's great that we try and get the sexy things right. Um, But we try not to look at 
uh, projects in isolation. So in our view, there's no point looking at just onboarding and making that the best possible onboarding experience you've ever seen if you drop off that onboarding experience and actually your performance management is pretty dire. So um, I think that is the sort of general trend that we're seeing is that there is more understanding that we have to look holistically about creating experiences for our employees that one they deserve them um people are expecting more at work and and that is one of the reasons we wanted to explore the the space and then i think the other reason that we wanted to get this research into how people were looking at the field is that i think you know the bigger brands especially but we see more and more the link between customer experience um and business output honestly with providing a great employee experience and i think as the strategic and financial value of a great employee experience comes more into focus, we're seeing a, a much clearer lens put on, put on the work that we're doing. So that's why we did the report in the first place. Um, we put it out to our network, honestly, and we actually had a, hu a huge global response from um, a, a genuinely global spread of people. And I mean, I'm just looking at the report now and 36% of people came from internal comms teams, 27% HR, 22% employee engagement, just 9% of teams classify themselves as, as employee experience um, and 6% other. But you can see that, you know, we're looking as widely as we can through the sector of who looks after employee experience. And that was very, very varied. And then some of the big things that came out of it. So we asked people, what are your top three employee experience initiatives for 2020? And I think what we wanted to do with the research that we hadn't necessarily seen a lot of is take it away from the big trends that are happening well into the future and more on what is actually happening right now. So, you know, everybody is listening to how things are changing, how the world is changing, how employee experience is changing, but what are we doing about it? What are businesses focusing on in the next 12 months? Um, and we asked that question and three big things came out. So helping employees understand strategy of a business. So that was 33% of people said that that was a top focus. Embedding a purpose-driven culture was another 32% and upskilling leadership engagement capability was the other. And then I think the other thing to mention just before we sort of go into the detail of that is we also asked out of that full hire to retire journey, what key moments are your organization currently reviewing or designing uh, or a combination of both? And, you know, like you said, we saw 39% are looking at mental health and wellness initiatives. And that honestly, I think is probably our biggest growing trend that we see. Um, you know, I think you know, when you and I have talked before, we've talked about a client that I've seen that's got wellness and, and well-being as a strategic pillar on their employee experience strategy. And we haven't been seeing that. We've been seeing it as um, projects that happen, projects in isolation, I think. You get sort of uh, employee helplines or uh, mental health assistance or physical well-being, I think, is the, the majority of things, perks and stuff like that. But actually to have a, a full pillar of what does well-being and wellness look like at work um, and how can we as an experienced team impact that and what can we do about it it's fascinating because you know when my my career is kind of largely focused on employee engagement and then i kind of started to really realize that employee engagement was really in my view the kind of psychological in output of kind of a good experience at work and mm -hmm. the reason why i wrote the book was basically understanding that 
and that's the book this podcast is based on if uh, people haven't read the book um, <laughs> um plug myself on my own podcast can i do of that of course why not um and i actually started to realize that actually if important experience is this kind of big collection of all these different things good and bad that happen to you whilst uh, at work yeah, exactly. and i started to pick out that actually quite a few of those were really emotive and kind of how we feel about ourselves mm-hmm. and how well equipped mm-hmm. we are to deal with the world of work and build resilience and manage stress and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so i really found that actually well-being was a really big contributor to the employee experience ergo well-being yeah. uh, has a big impact on employee engagement and mm-hmm. so that's kind of where i firmly put my hat you know i've kind of now mm-hmm. talked mostly around well-being because i think that actually that's the biggest impact you can have on the employee experience in my view is around what mm-hmm. you do around um, well-being so it's kind of it's really interesting to hear that you've kind of found that people are really kind of getting on board with that as well. And, and like mm. you say, I guess we are slowly, and I think it is slowly moving away yeah. from well-being being just this one thing I can buy um, and roll yes. out. You know, EAP is a great one, right? It's, I think something like 92% of people in this country use an EAP uh, or have an yes. EAP available to them. Um, but it's not a silver bullet for well-being. It's not this... Uh, not going to solve all your problems they can help you but it's really much focused on at point of crisis rather than preventative um yeah and i think that's that's what's really fascinating about the fact that purpose an individual's purpose but also understanding Mm -hmm. the company's purpose Mm -hmm. i think is really interesting because i see that as quite a big contributor to somebody's mental health at work is understanding the role the companies plays and the part they play in that company and being emotionally invested in that um, and those two things aligning, of course. And interestingly, the, this same company, one of my clients who have got well-being as their strategic pillar, purpose is, is the other one. And those two things are not being looked at in separation. They're being looked at as a holistic picture of how we can have employees emotionally connecting with the work that they do. And, you know, none of us want a, I mean, maybe sometimes I want a nine to five, but in all seriousness, we, we don't. We want to feel connected at work. We want to have great relationships with the, the people that we work with. We want to um, emotionally be able to express ourselves, to be our best selves in work. And, you know, if I really think about my well-being, then interestingly, the bit that we saw first in employee experience was physical. You saw companies, and this, you know, this was years ago, but obviously people are offering gym subscriptions and employee benefits and you know, here's a, I think I read something the other day to say something along the lines of 30% of businesses are offering smartphone apps. So I can access, you know, different parts of the wellbeing package. All that's great. But if I think about my wellbeing, physical, I can assure you is, is well down there. (laughs) I'm not going to the gym, but uh, I am thinking about my emotional wellbeing and my psychological wellbeing and that is what I'm so glad to see people doing in their strategies now. And interestingly, the, um, one of the conversations we've been having recently with a client is around what does well-being look like? Taking into account of all of the research, what does it look like in your business and how can we measure it? And how can employee experience amplify some of the bits that we can own and impact? Um, and obviously, we can't impact everything. Well-being is, is much more than work. Um, but I think businesses are really focused on some of the nuances now. And, and I'm certainly seeing that as a much newer trend. So we're talking about things like, like you said, self-acceptance, personal growth, purpose in life, and whether that's aligning to your purpose in work, autonomy, that was a huge topic um, in the roundel. 
you know, how autonomous I am at work is a, a massive, has a massive impact on my well-being, of course. Do I feel like I'm empowered to do uh, the job that I, that I need to in the best possible way? So these are all sort of, I guess, um, common topics that I think now we're seeing all coming together to form, um, like I say, a more holistic view of, of how we can impact positively well-being at work. And I, th- I think it all. Mir- I think you're absolutely right, and I think it all mirrors a wider kind of p- consciousness around well-being. Um, you kind of look at the figures for kind of 2019 for for conversations using the phrases well-being and self-care on Twitter um, <laughs> are up 225 percent, pretty much almost year on year since 2016. Um, yeah, yeah. Listeners have probably seen in the news that people like. Um, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardas of New Zealand yes. is starting to look yeah. at, you know, budget being guided by well-being. And there's mm-hmm. been loads of articles in the news in the UK where well-being should replace growth as the main aim of UK spending. And, you know, in the book, I talk about the Kingdom of Bhutan and how they measured happiness mm-hmm. back in kind of 2011. And yeah. it's just this whole public consciousness of we need to be taking better care of ourselves. We need to be spending more time with people and just kind of getting back to the really basics of kind of tribe and fire um away from mm-hmm. all the kind of things that have distracted us from what it is to be human so i think even yeah. those employers that don't feel like they need to make an improvement to their staff i think you, you're kind of being forced into that position surely yes it's i don't know what you have seen of this or whether you're hearing these conversations but interestingly it's sort of finally dawning on people and, and this is employee experience in general but well-being specifically how does great well-being or great employee experience, what does that equal in terms of productivity? And I think that eventually this, this conversation has reached board level. We are now making business decisions based on, on productivity, on, on, on business output. And, you know, traditionally, I think there was a, what makes me productive? Is it hard work? Is it the amount of hours that I put in? Is it working overtime? The longer I'm at my desk, the more productive that I will be or I will look to my boss. And I think the shift is now actually people are realizing that we need a break. We need healthy sleep. I mean, I'm saying that, but we need to, you know, we need to have good sleep and, and actually have some time off and do some exercise and eat well and, and have a, a good life. And, and that sort of being work being a very much sort of large part of that. Um, but I think that conversation has been happening for such a long time. I think the new part of that is that it's now driving business decisions because there's a realization that that is actually um, impacting how well a business will do financially as well. Yeah, it's an unfortunate realization, right? So it's the, it fact, that, the fact that it for lots of organizations, it seemed to come secondary to doing the right thing by their employees. It's <laughs> OK, now we can see a business reason for doing it. But I guess yeah. the ends justify the means, right? Um um, and one of the other things as well, you, you kind of touched upon it briefly, um, almost half the respondents um, to your employee experience round out said that they were focusing on mental health and wellness as part of the employee yeah. experience. Um, and you guys obviously loads of stuff around communications. And I just can't help but think developing a culture of well-being and kind of removing the stigma of mental health, I think comms plays such a big part of that. Um, oh, yeah. Are you, you seeing that with any of your, your customers and the clients that you deal with? Well, I'm just so glad that you said that. I mean, I think, you know, let, if I take every conversation I've ever had, how do you 
stop thinking about even the most mundane topics and you know no offense to anyone who's listening that thinks this is not a mundane topic but if someone comes to me and says we need to communicate a compliance campaign and i think oh good lord you know not the sexiest actually let's think about that properly communications when it's great is always positive it makes people feel trusted open there's a culture of transparency there needs to be honesty in communications and that matters to your mental health regardless of what the topic is it isn't just communications that matter about um about the big things it's actually how do we put those principles through everything we communicate whether it be the big topics or the things that we just have to do like compliance um and that is what i think we're trying to push with our clients and i'm so glad you made the link to mental health because you know i think some people see or so many people see smaller projects as oh it's just a little campaign or we just have to communicate this message out and i think what we're trying to um push now and certainly what we're seeing much more of um certainly in some of our clients is they're thinking about how to do that in the best possible way that contributes to this wider principle of honesty transparency how do we make employees feel trusted and empowered and autonomous regardless of what we're asking them to do because we ask a lot of them right i think that's the downside sometimes of communications is you know we go into a business and and think of all these great creative ideas and sometimes i see people think we're just asking more of people they just need to read this or they just need to go to this event or could you please just give us your ideas on this innovation program It, it's all another thing um so there is a a definite link to mental health and well-being and you know getting that balance right of how do we do that in the best possible way so that communications makes life easier better healthier it it should be a positive impact on a business and and not something that just is an addition to your to your list of to-dos and i think that you touched upon something really important there about the fact that you know we do expect a lot of people we expect them to read and action a lot of things that we put in front of them um, and you and I shared a stage last year talking about employee experience design. And, mm-hmm. you know, as part of that, we were talking about kind of personalization of the employee experience. And actually, you know, pretty much everything we talked about at that event would apply to well-being and the fact that when you communicate, that's got to be timely and relevant to the individual. Um, mm-hmm. Well-being is such a kind of fluid, diverse, ever-changing thing. It's not the same on the same days for everybody. So generic well-being no. communications will ba- barely have the impact that you'd expect them to have um and i think yeah. it's, it's interesting there's some stuff i've kind of i've made some notes kind of just from lots of the uh time i've spent with customers over the last 12 mm. months and about how we mm-hmm. kind of talk about mental health and well-being and it's kind of like we don't have many aspirational messages um and one of the things uh ryan morgan the f- um, founder of or co-founder of unmind talked about in one of the earlier podcast episodes for this season mm. was around how when you look at things like toothbrushes and how they advertise toothpaste the people on the packets are smiling with good teeth they don't show mm-hmm. you people with bad teeth on the packets it's quite <laughs> aspirational yet when we talk about mental health the brochures have always got people with their heads in their hands and people who are yeah. kind of just desperately thinking about their their troubled life or they're going through depression we don't try and sell well-being as aspirational um, yeah, that's so true. And so I think I, that was kind of just a really, really big eye opener for me. And um, and one of the other things was, um, yeah, just kind of generally removing that narrative you know, that it shouldn't be about suffering or shaming people who aren't physically or mentally well. 
and that personal improvement should be part of that messaging. Um, we know that people, I guess the big thing that sticks in my head when you talk about any kind of health and well-being is we all know exactly what we need to do to be healthier. It's been drummed into us for decades that we need to eat less sugar and fat, exercise more, sleep better, drink more water. But we don't do that stuff because it's difficult and it's hard and everything's getting yeah. away and we've got too much to do. And so I think those communications is a really, really key part of getting people to just improve slowly and in small pieces their health behaviours. Yes. Um, and I think obviously the biggest trend on that front that we see, certainly from an external perspective and, and internally as well to some extent, but the awareness around mental health. So it is becoming a topic that we more comfortably talk about. And it's not perfect. We we know that, but the trend is definitely in the right direction. You know, the other day I was reading this report from the CIPD and they said something along the lines, and I don't remember the exact stats, but there was something like the um, the openness to, to talk or the awareness around mental health initiatives at work had gone from 31% in 2016 to something like over 50% by 2018. Now, the interesting thing about that is, obviously, we're talking about it more, but the number of cases of people suffering with mental health hadn't gone down. So we were improving um, our communications around it. But you're right, and maybe we weren't getting them exactly right. Maybe, you know, we've been looking at it in this more traditional sense around showing people who just look tired and exhausted and like they're having a really hard time. And maybe there's more to evolve in the conversation. Maybe there is a, an aspirational element that needs to come into it, certainly from an openness perspective. And it's still early days, right? We haven't been communicating oh, this stuff for days. quite a long time. So we're still yeah. trying to get this stuff right, which is, and I, I, I'm quite, I'm really sympathetic to kind of HR and reward and benefits people that oh, well being yes. is just is such a big task to kind of. Oh, it's you know, so hard. I can't even look after my own well-being. So, like, how do you look after oh, 20,000 people? It's kind of... Oh, I know. Uh, and it, the thing with mental health, I mean, <laughs> I am the first to profess we should be open and we should talk about our feelings and we should really push emotional well-being and mental health at work. If someone asks me if I'm okay, I'm absolutely 100% fine. <laughs> yeah. That's not always the truth. Um and I think there's, you're right, it's such early days and it's easy to say, oh, this is going wrong and this is going wrong, but people are trying and this is new. Um, but that's why I was so pleased. You know, 39% of businesses, and that's a global report, so that is around the world, nearly 40% of businesses are focused this year, not in the future, it's not just this conceptual topic that is going to one day come up. This year, they're focused on mental health and wellness initiatives. That's massive and that is is new and, and you know obviously we'll do this again this will be an annual piece of research i'd like to see that grow i'm sure we will it'd be interesting to return to this you know what will we see 50 60 percent um i wouldn't be surprised um and i think that that leads us nicely on to the last point i wanted to talk to you about was um you know i've seen you do talks about this stuff um i know it's an area you're really passionate about and so uh, the rest of the guys at home and that mm -hmm. kind of employee value proposition and employer brand you know as we know they're not the same thing but both of those things i think the employer brand especially i think well-being in my view is going to play a big part of that because i think mm -hmm. the way you look like you care about employees is what's going to make somebody come and work with you and and to kind of test this a few months ago i i, I, I kind of searched for the word care on, okay. on glassdoor 
mm-hmm. um, and the vast vast majority of all the results i went through were people's reviews that went don't work here these people don't care about you this these people don't care about you they just care about money they put people over profits mm-hmm. and there's this really kind of down the negative end of reviews that word care comes out quite a lot which makes me think which is something i suspected for a long time that actually people want to work for a company that cares for them people want to work yeah. for a company who will be there for them in their darkest days so when they go through a relationship breakup or death of a family mm-hmm. member or they're in they struggle with money or they get into debt all this kind of stuff they want their employer to stand over them or next to them and kind of say we'll support you as much as we can and everything's going to be okay and i just can't help but think the employers that really make people realize that that's the type of employer they are are going to kind mm-hmm. of get the best talent and the best people oh for sure um it's and and you know evp is is very much a a big topic of ours and and a passion of mine it's there's look we've talked about this there's so many um academic models on what makes a great evp and research and stats and do you know what? It is a, a simple deal. It is, what do I put into a business for what I get out of it? And I think when we land on that deal, and when that deal feels more than fair, it feels like it's going to look after your well-being. It feels like you know, your employer cares that your purpose aligns to their purpose, and they're bringing the right person in because you're actually in it together, and you're all pushing towards the same goal. That is what makes a great EVP. And the way that I always talk about it to our clients is, and and what we actually still get a lot is, how can we sell our business to the best talent? And you don't have to sell your business to the best talent. You have to find the right talent that fits within your business. And that is why it's a a two-sided deal. And, you know, and we think about things like people working really hard and, and you and I both put a lot into our careers and into our workplaces because we care about it. But that is because we get so much back. We get so much back that is has nothing to do with reward or benefits. It has everything to do with, I feel like I genuinely can make a difference to how a client feels about coming to work. I genuinely feel that. That is not how home talk about it. It is how I feel about it. My purpose and home's purpose are aligned. So... Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. We need to ensure that we push companies to see the value in finding the right person that fits within that business, but then making sure that it is more than just the hard stuff. It's not just about a package. It is about everything else that you feel when you walk through those doors in the morning. And it, it shouldn't be a dread. You know, it should be, I've I might belong here and, and this company has got my back and, and I really care about what we're doing. And that is when we see great results. And if we think about business impact, that is when you see it. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously, you know, I've worked for almost nine years for a technology company that has a core product that's benefits. And so clearly, I believe, yeah. and we'll talk about the importance of benefits and pay and reward. But oh, exactly as you've said, it is a there's a set things I, a group of things I need and my benefits I get at work have a big impact on like my ability to save for the future, protect oh, myself yes. against yeah. uh, loss of income and ill health. But if you ask me the number one thing that would impact my well-being at work, it's exactly the same as yours and that's the autonomy that I get. So mm-hmm. all the stuff is really great additions to that. But fundamentally, mm-hmm. at the moment, autonomy is the thing I'd put at the top of the list 
Um, yeah. But but that changes, right? I know we, we you know, on the Benefits website, we've got a case study from one of our employees who talks about how um, employees um, assistance program and income protection have really mm. impacted positively their lives. So benefits have their place, mm. but there is stuff that comes way before and way after those things, which I think are really important. And exactly mm. as you said, do people really talk about that stuff? You know, imagine an employer brand that kind of pushed the idea that you get autonomy in your role and you'll be trusted and we care for you. Don't see many yeah. people doing it. There's some great examples in the US of people like Patagonia. You look at their website, yeah. look at their employee case Absolutely. studies. The word care is Absolutely. mentioned quite a lot by employees. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it feels like we're on that kind of turning point where people start to realize that stuff is important to people's well-being and, and how they feel about work. Well, I'll just share a quick story just to sort of round off on your point. And, and that's that I remember doing a, a piece of research with a business, what we call immersion. We go in... I mean, we're making it sound grand. We go in and run workshops with employees to see where they are. How how do they feel about this stuff? You know, radical. Um, And someone in a healthcare company told me a story, which was, I really knew that this was absolutely the place for me when something terrible happened in my family and there was a close family illness. I just, I couldn't come to work. And, you know, these things, benefits-wise, are quite complex in America, as, as we know. Um, and their colleagues gathered around and pulled a fund together, a financial fund to allow this person to take time off. Now, that is unbelievable. And you might say that's just friendship, but that was the culture of that business that actually people are there for each other. And, you know, that's a nice amalgamation of our worlds, isn't it? That is the financial well-being is a complete core baseline factor of what you need for true well-being. But it also comes along with the support and care that you have from the people around you. And I completely agree. I think the culture brings that out in people. So the naturally yeah. caring people, I think if you create that culture of well-being, you create that culture of supporting people's mental health, you create an environment where people can do exactly what that employee has done or those groups of employees have done and make a real difference. And altruism plays a big part in our well-being as well. So helping other people. Um, plays a big part in how we kind of um, can uh, improve our mental health ourselves. So, yeah, I completely mm-hmm. agree that there's there's a whole lot in here about well-being, changing cultures for the better. Um, I could talk about this for quite a long time with you, um, uh, <laughs> but um, people don't want to listen to us talk for hours on end. Or maybe they do, they, I don't know. Or it's, it's, or my jet lag. Somebody, somebody tweet us and tell us whether you want us to talk for three hours and whether you listen to it or not. Um <laughs> You can find out more about home and what they do over at www.thisishome.co.uk. You can download the Employee Experience Roundel 2020 on the resources section of the homepage, but you can also find links uh, to that document and keep up to date with home on Twitter at home underscore in underscore Bristol. Really appreciate you taking the time out. I know you've you you might as well be writing a travel book. I think the amount of countries oh, I've seen you I'd go. Oh, I'd love to. So, right. I might do that. No, Maybe that could be your side you. hustle. You could be the new. Uh, <laughs> I've forgotten the name, Glory Honeyford or whoever it was. You can do a travel, oh, yeah, travel man, probably. You. Travel woman, you could be travel woman. Travel woman, I'm all over it. So thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thank Thanks, Hattie. Thanks, Gavin. Chat soon. Join the workplace wellbeing discussion online by tweeting your thoughts and questions to at World of Good Book. Thank you to my guest today, and thank you for listening.